Hello, and welcome to another Manna. My name is Pastor Jeff Glenn, and it's my pleasure to take you through the Word each week. We are just kicking off the book of Thessalonians over the past couple of weeks, and we've come out of, we're still in chapter one. We saw that this, this is Paul's opening, um, and he opened it with the letter of thanksgiving, which is super appropriate for the Christian life. We, sh- we should be living a life of thanksgiving. Paul's thankful to this church for their faithfulness, and he's showing the saints here in Thessalonica through his thanksgiving. He's, he's encouraging them, um, giving them um, encouragement to deal with the persecution that, that's come upon them. And, you know, he's commending their patience and their faith all through the suffering that, that they're enduring. Um, this persecution in the early church, you know, had different levels of intensity depending on where the persecution was taking place. But Eventually, this persecution would end up with all but one of the original 12 apostles um, being martyred for their faith. And along with thousands of other faithful Christians all over, um, especially the Roman Empire, but all over uh, the, the Christian world, people were being persecuted to death and driven out of their homes and, and all sorts of different types of persecution. And so it was it was Tertullian who was an early church father. So he he probably lived in the, about the year one ninety five maybe, and uh, he wrote um, it, and he coined the term uh, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. He he wrote he was writing directly to the Roman Empire. He was countering the assertion of the of the day of the of the Roman Empire and and the people who were against the church that. That, that being a Christian was was a superstition of the ignorant who who participated in high treason and 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 held contempt for the state uh, religion, and because of that they were worthy of death, and so he's writing against that. And and what he says in his letter is, we are not a new philosophy, but a divine revelation. And I love that because that is so true. We we have knowledge of God through His revelation to us. It's not concocted by man or some sort of philosophy that's new through some sort of thought process, but it's but it's God revealing himself to us. And he goes on to say, that's why you can't just exterminate us. The more you kill us, the more we are. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You praise those who endure pain and death so long as they aren't Christians. Your cruelties merely prove our innocence of the crimes you charge against us. So how true is that? This persecution that was coming upon the church and is still in the world today. Um, the, the assertion that because of the belief in Christ and our separateness from secularism and culture and statism and all the rest, that, that somehow our separateness demands and deserves us uh, persecution and death. What, what, uh, Tertullian is saying, and, and Paul would agree with, right? So Tertullian is echoing Paul in his assertion that suffering is is part of the normative Christian experience. It's something that serves us. It's something that furthers the gospel, furthers the church. And um, 
So this echo, so Paul wrote to the believers in Rome in Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out to our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so what a, what a great um, bit of encouragement here that Paul is giving not only to the Thessalonians, but to the Romans, and which he would carry into the early church past Paul to Tertullian and the other uh, church fathers who knew this, this foundational truth that, that the world and what it has for us is, is not the ultimate end goal. So therefore, when the world and its system and its people persecute us, it's, it's not proof of our inadequacies. It's not proof of, of our deficiencies. It's rather proof of, of their cruelties and proof that the, the world system is indeed wrong. And so the church in, in Thessalonica, they needed Paul's help to, to get this. They needed to get this realization that the persecution, as I said, is it's not a sign that Christ has abandoned them. It's not a sign that God's um, a separate, um, but rather as part of the Christian life through his providence, uh, the, the ability to endure this with patience actually furthers um, his plan. And as Tertullian put it, builds the church. It's the seed of the church. And so this believers, this group, um, had, had been led to believe that, that their suffering was a sign that Christ had come back already and taken his church out, and which meant that, that here they are abandoned and somehow um, not part of the church, not um, part of God's um, grace. But Paul, in his opening chapter, he, he's, he's commending them for their endurance so far, and he encourages them to continue. He reminds them that, that God will repay those who persecute them. And this is the other foundational truth that um, he, he wrote to Rome and, and said uh, the same thing in Romans 12, 17 through 19. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things in sight of all men. If it's all possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so this is Paul um, writing against the, the pressure to take matters into our own hands. So he's telling the, the Thessalonians, you're under persecution, but don't take matters um, into your own hands. And he, and he writes the same thing to Romans and other places to, to remind us that no, vengeance is indeed um, of God's place. And so, but our human nature wants to do something. We want to react to the pressures of uh, needing to to avenge ourselves and set, set the thing right. And so, it's, it's like literally, it seems like it anyway, that literally is the plot of every Hollywood movie, right? Some evil person or some group of evil people do something evil to the, the good person or their family. And the rest of the movie is this plot to get revenge and then the, the carrying out of, of this plot. And usually it's in spectacular fashion, right? With lots of explosions and chases and fights and whatnot. And and that sort of entertainment, it feeds our flesh for sure. But, um, you know, it's not 
the Christian life, right? It, it, it's our flesh, and we're, and we're to, to walk by faith and to walk in the Spirit. And so hardship and persecution does not mean that, that God has abandoned us, nor does it give us license to um, exact spectacular revenge, right? So you, know, you might be replaying in your head a, a devastating comeback to something rude somebody said to you yesterday, um, but, but realize God has got you, right? We don't need to formulate some for, sort of uh, spectacular um, zinger to come back at somebody or even plot some kind of revenge. It's, it's, um, it's God's place to, to, to provide for that setting of the record straight, that vengeance. And so he was, Paul was assuring the church that, that, their, that their energy was indeed wasted seeking to repay this persecution. So his encouragement for them and for us is, is pleasing God and, and walking worthy of the calling of Christ is, is enduring this suffering and knowing that, that God will be repaying those things that are done wrong to us. So he's, he's reminding us that, that our circumstances um, you know, should not determine our level of faith, right? Um, you know, our faith, which is, should be firmly founded in Jesus, should speak over our circumstances and, and that our circumstances are temporary. They're, they're just in this life. And Paul goes on to speak of the eternal punishment for those who reject God and persecute his people, which puts you know, like like our temporal reaction, like that puts that out of reach for us. It's it's just too inadequate for our our temporal reaction to be something that's adequate enough to pay for uh, the wrong that's been done. So be, beyond being inadequate, it's also like like whether we knowingly do it or unknowingly do it, like it communicates a lack of understanding and ultimately um, faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. In Romans five. Five, Paul explains the significance of what, what, what's taking place on the cross, which, which is this exchange, um, our sin for Jesus' righteousness, right? So he goes on to say in, in 5.5, 5, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up for yourself wrath on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So the evil and sin that's committed in the world is piling up against those who commit it, right? So, so it's no different for those who are persecuting the church. Those evil deeds will be countered with God's wrath. So, so imagine this, this evil deed storing up wrath and storing up wrath and storing up wrath, and, and it will finally be exacted by God. And so, so nothing that, that we do can compare to God's perfect judgment. And this is the important part for us, is that Jesus suffered God's wrath on the cross for the sins of the world. So all of these sins that have stored up all of this wrath, Jesus took that on the cross, took it upon himself. And so for those who believe in Jesus, this transfer takes place where Jesus took the wrath that was stored up for them upon himself and exchanged his righteousness for that wrath. So it's a, it's a completely lopsided, one-sided trade, but that's what Jesus did for us. And so the long and short of it is that either through faith in him and turning from our sin, Jesus took the wrath that sin demands, or those committing the sin, um, being unrepentant, uh, will incur God's wrath on the day of judgment. And so we can't add anything to his justice. We should just leave it up to him, trusting 
the promise that suffering serves us. So until next week, stay encouraged and stay in the word.